Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. You ever wanted to just be somebody else? He was a high society hustler with a flair for spinning lies. America has a long history of people who've actually tried to do it. Like the man who called himself Clark Rockefeller and successfully claimed to be a part of the Rockefeller family for more than a decade. I was in the park walking my dog Leicester. He just introduced himself and it was actually kind of odd because he immediately said, my name is Clark Rockefeller. There's also Frank Abagnale. Frank, where'd you get all that money? Brenda, listen, a name, right? A name, it doesn't matter. My name is Frank Connors, right? That's who I am with you. But but we, we all have secrets. Better known as the dude who Leonardo DiCaprio played in Catch Me If You Can, who pretended to be an airline pilot, a lawyer, and a doctor before turning 22. A shocking report from Politico says an imposter infiltrated the White House press briefings four times in recent weeks. The imposter goes by the name of Casey Montague and has been... And now, there's Casey Montague. This is a story about essentially an anonymous person who has created numerous accounts to pose as a White House reporter. That's Christopher Catalago, who is a White House reporter, not just posing as one. And has gotten as far as tweeting out uh, White House schedules, White House pool reports, but also planting at least four questions to the White House press secretary over the last few weeks through colleagues in the press corps that the White House then answered. I'm Jeremy Siegel. This is Politico Dispatch. And today, the wild and weird story of how a fictional reporter named Casey Montague infiltrated the White House press corps. When did you first start wondering who Casey Montague is? So this basically flew under the radar. A bunch of our colleagues in the press corps had been getting emails from this person saying, uh, you're doing a great job. I just read your story. Or I'm happy you're you're at the White House today, sort of taking notes on behalf of the rest of the press corps. Uh But no one really kind of put this together. No one decided to, to look into this deeper and say, who is this person? And last Thursday, a reporter from The Blade, a guy named Chris Johnson, asked a question. The question from my colleague is next. Um, How involved is former President Obama and First Lady Obama in the Biden-Harris administration? Is President Biden seeking to bring back the often bipartisan portrait unveiling events at the White House? I'm certain we will have bipartisan portrait unveiling events at the appropriate time when COVID allows. Um, It was about Obama and uh, Joe Biden's relationship. And a uh, mediaite followed up with Chris and asked, who was he asking the question for? Mm-hmm. And I'm guessing the answer is none other than Casey Montague. <laughs> yes. And I had actually just tweeted that out because it just looked very strange. And as soon as I sent that tweet, within moments, I was just flooded with messages from people who, who claimed to know this person mm-hmm. with all this different variation of the backstory. And so you know, within a day, we were basically able to turn around this this account of it and, and get into a lot of detail about this person and what they've done over the last few months. So I want to get into all of that. And 
I guess uh, the best way to start is just from the beginning. Where does this whole saga begin? So we think back in December, this person calling themselves Casey Montague started a Twitter account, which essentially was putting out the daily White House schedule starting January 20th when Joe Biden took office. And these are these are tweets that say, you know, tomorrow Joe Biden or Vice President Kamala Harris or the first lady or the second gentleman are going to be going to this event and they're going to be showing up here. Mm-hmm. And this account started to gain um, a following both from aides inside the White House, but also reporters. And then they decided, uh, this Casey Montague decided within a couple months of that to bring on several friends, several people they knew, and kind of expand their operation. Um, They gave folks titles. They started another Twitter account, which would put out pool reports, which are essentially notes of all the movements that the president and the, the vice president make every day. And then they started kind of taking it further. So, um... This person, Casey Montague, um, started reaching out to various journalism associations, created basically a brand for themselves under the banner of White House News, started telling people that they were going to join the um, Correspondents Association um, as a reporter for the Daily Mail, and then started emailing reporters and emailing the White House and requesting financial documents or um, asking questions about things that might happen the next day, basically doing reporting. And then finally, um, you got to the point where they were asking questions because they saw that other members of the media were sending questions to that day's pool reporter that they could ask because of, of the limited space in the, in the White House. All of the ways in which they went about reporting or building their brand were all, you know, mischievous in a sense or, or uh, fictitious. Uh-huh. But I should say that like the questions they were asking, whether it was about the Microsoft hack or COVID-19 travel restrictions, like these were perfectly legitimate questions that anyone in the press corps might ask. And so, you know, we tried to get at the fact of like, what is motivating this? Is it just that they figured they could get this far and it was fun for them to do? Um, How do they have all this time to do this? But, you know, if you had to look at what they were doing, putting aside all of the um, you know, lies they had to tell, frankly, like they were practicing journalism. So last week, you decided to try to get to the bottom of all of this. Um, how did you do that? Did you get in touch with Casey? Yeah, we did. So we reached out to a number of people and, and we should bring in at this moment that this is someone who participates in a it's almost a live action role playing, but online Hmm. They have a community which is called NUSA where they do a mock U.S. government. And this person was serving for a time as the secretary of state. And this is a, a, you know, a group that involves a whole lot of people from all over the world, frankly. Mm -hmm. And so this is kind of the universe of which uh, the folks who were helping this person, Casey Montague, pull this off come from. And so... They don't know each other in real life. A lot of them don't know each other's true identity. And so you have this situation where they may not be, you know, the most loyal to that person or they may not mind talking to a reporter, sharing the backstory about it. And frankly, that helped us out a lot to get as much information as we could. I I should also say that, like, we don't know who this is. You know, we still don't know who it is, even though we've exchanged several emails with them. Um, 
they they don't want to reveal themselves both because they think it would be problematic for the game, but also now that they've been showed to have been making fictitious you know, news organizations and all of that. I think they're they're worried that they could get in some sort of trouble. I don't know what that trouble would be, but they're doing what they can to shield their identity. Um, but we were able to kind of get at this from the people who know them online. What was emailing with them like? Like, did you learn anything from talking with them? Did you learn anything about, like, I don't know, what their, their personality is like? <laughs> so... This person has created sort of a profile of themselves as an 18-year-old law student from the UK who uh, was raised in the US, I think, until age six and then and then uh, moved overseas. And the the way in which they write in these emails, it, it could very well be someone covering for um, how they really write. Mm-hmm. But I would not be surprised in any way if this was a teenager who had been able to pull this off. Um, they claim to be really interested in transparency. They filed um, dozens and dozens of Freedom of Information Act requests for information from the government. Hmm. So there's clearly like a little more than a hobby going on here. Mm-hmm. And I think that also played into the um, the White House reporting as well, which was, hey, you know, we're seeing these poor reports every day. Again, these notes of what the White House is saying and doing. And, you know, we ha- we're sitting around and, and compiling those and we have questions ourselves. How can, how can we get to a point where we can get these questions asked? And they've exposed this quirk that, that's only really available to them this year because so few seats are occupied in the briefing room that, uh, people are now asking questions on behalf of someone else. And, you know, doing that can be really stressful. You're, you're there, you're following the president. Um, you're sending out these reports the moment you can. You're trying to gather quotes. You know, an email comes in. You may not check what White House news is. You may not double check the reporter. You may not Google them. The White House has so many reporters covering, you know, all parts of the world who are, um, you know, either members of the association or have access to the White House or have access to the poor report. So it is understandable. I, I don't blame these four reporters or more who have who have asked this question of the White House on behalf of Casey Montague for not having sufficiently done their homework because it's a stressful day and you could see why they might just feel like they're being helpful. In the end, what do you make of this whole situation? Like, I don't know, when I first saw it, like the question that came to my head is, is this illegal? And then it like seems like, no, that's not the case. They're just sort of like duping people. I don't know, like, you know, did anybody do anything wrong here? Like, what's your takeaway from what's happened here? Until we have any real evidence suggesting otherwise, I take Casey Montague and their friends at their word, which is that they were not trying to be malicious. I think if you look at the types of questions they were asking, the type of information they were putting out, there's nothing easily apparent that looks like they're trying to fool anyone in a in a malicious way. Um, it seems like, if anything, you know, people at the White House think of themselves in the media as having reached this kind of vaunted level. And this story is fascinating because it it pierced that bubble, right? It's like these could be some anonymous teens all over the world who take part in this mock government and they somehow were able to break into the real government and, you know, get questions that they and their friends thought were interesting asked. Now, you know, this very well could have some more sinister undercurrent to it that we may not know yet. So I should put that caveat out there. But just based on everything we know, 
Um, it's, it's, a, it's a fascinating story about folks sitting around thinking, wouldn't it be cool if we could get our question asked at that briefing? And they did. Christopher Catalago, thanks so much for talking with me. Of course, anytime. Thank you. Also today, President Biden is planning to nominate Pentagon veteran Christine Wormuth to be the first female Army secretary. Wormuth has been in and out of the Defense Department since 1996. In 2014, she rose to the Pentagon's top policy job, where she helped carry out President Obama's pivot to the Asia-Pacific and shape the U.S. military's counter-ISIS campaign alongside now Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin. Wormuth most recently served as director for the International Security and Defense Policy Center at RAND. And Secretary of State Tony Blinken has named Gina Abercrombie Winstanley as the department's newly created Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer. Abercrombie Winstanley was the former ambassador to Malta during President Obama's second term, served as a senior career diplomat for more than three decades, and was the first woman to lead a foreign diplomatic mission in Saudi Arabia. The State Department has long struggled to reflect the diversity of the United States, and the problem has gotten more pronounced in recent years by several measures. For instance, according to the Government Accountability Office, black employees make up a smaller share of its workforce right now than in 2002. Subscribe to Politico Dispatch wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you're hearing and want to help us out, you can do that by leaving a rating and review in your favorite podcast app and by telling a friend to check out the show. I'm Jeremy Siegel. Thanks for listening. I guess at this point I have to ask, Christopher, are you Casey Montague? I am not.